everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Podcast on Fifth Ave. I'm Jordan here with Taylor and Jenna. And to start, we're going to break down the two games that the Penguins have played since we last saw you. On Saturday, they took on the Maple Leafs at home with basically a below AHL level roster (laughs) is what it felt like. And they won seven to one. So Jenna, what were some of the things that stood out to you from that game? What did they do well to get to that point where they crushed them so much? Well, it was funny because before when this, I think when they were up, I want to say it was three, nothing or something along those lines. I tweeted and I was like, if the penguins go on to win this game, I think this may actually be what breaks Toronto and their fan base. And I was like half joking. And then after that game, some of the Toronto beat reporters were tweeting how much like the fan base is completely at odds with this Maple Leafs team right now. So I was like, Oh, I was kind of kidding, but also apparently it actually is really (laughs) happening. And like, obviously that's kind of a spiral of what's happened. um, Mm -hmm. The way that they lost in the playoffs last year with kind of the success you expect this team to have, but this it's one of those things that it's almost so surprising that it's not. I mean, you're without mm. Jeff Carter. Latang didn't play that game as well, right? So yeah, right. Was the first Crosby, one. Evgeny Malkin, Brian Rust, Jeff Carter, Evan Rodriguez is your top line <laughs> center. And apparently I've also taken over the Evan Rodriguez. Uh, I'm the number one stand right here. So I guess uh, <laughs> I'm fully aboard the Evan Rodriguez train here. Um, but I mean, this is a team that should not compared to what Toronto has mm-hmm. this Penguins lineup that they put on the ice. You would have expected this to be maybe like a four, two loss. Like they would be in it, but you don't expect them to win and to win the way that they did. And yeah, there were some crazy goals, the way that they went in along those lines. But again, I think we go back to the depth scoring that we've seen from this team. I mean, when you have, Got, you know, the way that they scored, you have goals from Marcus Pedersen. What did he have? A three point night. You have Marcus Pedersen, mm-hmm. Drew O'Connor almost, you know, has two goals. We're on Drew O'Connor hat trick watch. Boyle gets another one. Mike Matheson gets another one. Jason Zucker finds the back of the net, something that he said he really needed to do more this season. And we're seeing that from him kind of in this early span here, but they're getting scoring from guys that need to step up. And it really, you know, we hear all the time, next man up mentality, next man up. That's exactly what this game was. Absolutely. They looked completely dominant. And it they there was not a single point from what I could see. I actually I only saw just a very, very little bit of the game, but it didn't seem like there was a single point where they felt like that game was out of their control. They they set the tone and the pace from start to finish. And they really took advantage of the Maple Leafs' weaknesses. Jenna, what what did you notice from the game that that was part of what helped them look so dominant? I mean, I think it was just... I mean, the- so, yeah, sorry, I meant Taylor. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Lord above. Is it Friday yet? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, you can, you can go ahead. But, oh, my Lord. Uh, <laughs> Taylor, all you. Anyway, Taylor, you um, go ahead. God help me. I mean, yeah, like you said, they dominated the whole game. It was funny before the game. I mean, obviously, you know, we just went over all the guys that were missing. I was talking with another writer, and 
we're like, I think we were just guessing about like, you know, who's going to be the alternate captain because, you know, all the Dumoulin was the only alternate that was even still left. You know, their whole leadership core is out. And the, the writer I was talking to, he was like, well, but we know they're going to win. Like, it was just, it just seems so set up perfectly for that, for just like a, a mo- like a monumental upset because of all, you know, the, the offensive, mm-hmm. you know, threats that the Leafs have. But yeah, it was just everyone stepping up. Um, I mean, I have a, a stat pulled up. After that game, they now have 14 different players score goals this season. Um, and then so it's five games into the season. Um, the only other teams in NHL history to have more unique goal scores five games into the season are the 85-86 Flames, who had 15, and the 83-84 North Stars, who had 16. So it's like it, it's all to have this many different guys step up really not unprecedented but i mean it hasn't happened since the 80s which i mean that really tells you the whole story of of this and i mean just the plays guys were making i mean mike mm-hmm. matheson scored on a wraparound that is like my my lasting memory from that game because we've seen mike matheson try to score on wraparounds a lot i think i tweeted earlier <laughs> in the game like because, I mean, he, he he takes a lot of, like, good chances like that, and he's someone that's not afraid to, you know, move up in the play. And I tweeted, like, I don't know who made the decision for Mike Matheson as a child to, like, put him on defense instead of forward, but I think they screwed up, and then he did that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I stay by my point. Um, because, I mean, yeah, the, the wraparound, that was just – once that happened, I was like, but the Maple Leafs are not getting back into this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just let Mike Matheson score in a wraparound. But, yeah, just – I mean, the, the guys like Drew O'Connor – um, after that game, he was like tied for the the league lead in rookie scoring. Um, he's still considered a rookie just because he didn't play enough games last season. But I mean, someone like him. I mean, he was pretty much invisible when he was up last season, and then this season he's developing into you know he, someone that could be a legitimate power forward at this level. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's that's really been the the story through that that whole run to open the season. Um, just kind of guys stepping up unexpectedly. And something specific from that game, too, uh, face-offs. They dominated in face-offs. I, I, I had the numbers pulled up. Teddy Bluger finished, like, 71%. Um, something like, yeah, 71%. Uh, Rodriguez, 58 Boyle, 82%. But, I mean, Bluger won, you know, 17 of them. And that was just uh, interesting to me because Matt Cullen was just in town working with the centers, like, really just on face-offs like he was having video meetings with them on face-offs talking about you know you need to have one kind of like your bread and butter move and then you have to have other clubs in your bag we're mixing metaphors but that's the way that Brian Boyle explained it um but you know that's what they did they he worked with him really extensively in face-offs and then the, the video meeting and then you know right after he leaves um this is the result. So um, just guys stepping up and then stuff like this where, you know, they're putting a concentrated effort into improving this one part of their game really, really helps them. Yeah. And then on the flip, we had the game against Tampa last night, which was not as fun to watch. Taylor talking to you (laughs) besides officiating, which was just, all over the map awful last night it was just so bad what what contributed to the penguins only scoring one goal what was going on with them last night yeah i mean vasilevsky is why they only scored one goal um he 
honestly, when, once they went down 3 nothing, it was like you knew they weren't coming back because you're not going to mm-hmm. put up four goals on Vasilevsky. But to get down in that hole, I mean, once what points scored the first goal 31 seconds into the second period, at that point it still seemed like maybe they could come back. Mm-hmm. And then the Penguins really controlled a lot of the second period. They just couldn't beat Vasilevsky. And then there was one shift where they, they were in – Tampa zone for it was like a minute and 15 seconds mm-hmm. and had a lot of good chances and it was really it was mostly the fourth line in there and from watching that I it, it kind of gave me a I guess hope that you know the Penguins could come out and win this because they were really dominating and then right after that shift ends Palat goes the other Dumoulin turns the puck over Palat goes the other way scores um and then the next you know face off Penguins lose. Uh, Stamkos, you know, carries it into the zone, passes it to McDonough. McDonough scores next, 10 seconds later. Mm-hmm. So it was really just, you know, the Penguins controlled a lot of the game, but just that little less than a minute where the momentum shifted, I mean, that put them in a hole big enough that they couldn't come back out of because Vasilevsky was the guy they had in that. Yeah. yeah, he was lights out last night. He played phenomenally well. And I, I couldn't help but feel like if... If they hadn't blown the whistle before the what should have been a goal for Brock McGinn, that game could have been totally different uh, because obviously we saw the Penguins just have their way with Vasilevsky in the in the season opener. But yeah, it felt like that was just one of those moments that solidified his confidence in net, and he decided, yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna let that happen again. So he played really well. Jenna, is there anything from last night's game that's concerning to you about the Penguins' play, or was it, for the most part, pretty solid? I think they, I mean, we kind of heard what Mike Sullivan said after the game, where basically he was like, you know, I I did like the way that our guys played tonight. And even watching, you know, the way that the goals happened, it wasn't, you know, it was a little mistake. It it was, it's it's mistakes that normally happen throughout the game. It's just the fact that Mm -hmm. Tampa Bay is a team that will capitalize on those mistakes when you make them a lot more than other teams across the league will. I mean, that's one of the reasons why they're the defending Stanley Cup champs back to back. Um, it, it was also one of those things like I, I feel like it was such a circumstantial type game. I mean, you look at the Penguins, they're coming off the win that they had over the Maple Leafs, the huge win. They're still dealing without, you know, five of their incredibly key players. And the fact that Tampa was coming into that game off of a five to one loss to the Sabres, mm-hmm. which the, the Sabres. Sabres, we can talk about at another point because uh, I did not think I would be uttering those words at all this season. <laughs> I think it's like the first time the Sabres have beat Tampa since 2018 or something, something crazy like Whoa. that. And Craig yeah. Anderson. It wasn't right. like, it wasn't, it wasn't even Dustin Dakarski. It was Craig Anderson. <laughs> yes. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> I mean, that the Sabres are a whole other point of discussion, but I just think it was kind of like circumstantially what was happening. The Penguins were bound to lose a game. I think they were bound to lose a game, mm-hmm. maybe not in this style, but it was one of those things that like, Taylor was saying too, they controlled a lot of the play, especially in that second period. You get a hot goalie and sometimes it's just kind of hard to beat a guy mm-hmm. like Vasilevsky, who's arguably the best, if not one of the top three netminders in the entire league. And I also think, you know, the looking at the highlights again and seeing, you know, the way in which they gave those goals up, 
I don't think you can put all of it on Jari too. Cause I think mm-hmm. there were a lot of people that were like, Oh, this is, it's like, no, 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 no. These were defensive mistakes. These were yeah. this is what Tampa does so well. And mm-hmm. even that third goal, was that the McDonough goal? The third goal yeah. that was just this most, like, it was a ridiculous shot. It was one of those, like even the, when I was watching it back on TNT last night, when I was watching uh, abs and um, golden Knights, they were saying, they're like, yeah, he had no chance there. Like even the, you know, getting that kind of, you know, it wasn't him type situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they were kind of bound to lose a game in some way in this fashion. I think, you know, every night all of the guys that are stepping up aren't going to continue to, you know, stay right. at that high level. There are going to be some ups and downs um, in terms of uh, where where they were there. So it's one of those things that it's just, you know, you got to turn the page and move on. I don't think this should be a big concern, though. By mm-hmm. Definitely not. I don't I honestly don't think so either. Looking at the roster that they have right now. Yeah it makes sense that they did finally lose in regulation. And, and I think that it's honestly encouraging because whenever you fill in those gaps with Crosby and Malkin and then Latang and Carter and rust it, those are the kinds of guys that carry games and they can't always. So it's good to know that those depth guys can come in and kind of pick up some of the effort should they need to, but I think what we really saw was just uh, some sways in momentum, Tampa Bay being one of the best teams in the league and guys who are not used to this much ice time, just being, being the kinds of players that they are. And it's, I think that the, the amount of scoring that we saw Saturday was the anomaly, not, not so much yesterday, but I think, honestly, I think that they're probably going to be just fine so let's take a quick break and we will be right back and we're back so like we mentioned in the first segment there are a handful of guys who are either hurt or on the COVID list so taylor let's check in on how the injury updates are going. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what it's looking like for Crosby, for Malkin, for Rust. What's their timetable at this point? Do we even know? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. Crosby, you know, they gave that original six-week minimum. I think people read that initially as a target date. That was a minimum. We just Mm -hmm. only recently passed it. Um, And then the the update we got on on Wednesday, Sullivan said that he is day-to-day. So... That's encouraging. I don't think mm-hmm. he'll play Thursday. It didn't sound like it, at least based off of what Sullivan said. But, I mean, based off of practice, what they did on Wednesday, it seems like he, he he's a possibility for Thursday. If not Thursday, then maybe Saturday against the Devils because he was working mm-hmm. on the top line with Gensel and Evan Rodriguez. He was working on the top power play. That was really uh, one of the – that was the first time he did that. And – when he spoke uh, five, six days ago, he said really it was just about, you know, working on physical contact and getting comfortable with that with his wrist and then mm-hmm. taking face-offs. And we have been seeing him do a lot of that. It was funny. Uh, Tuesday's morning skate, he, Casper, it was an optional morning skate, not many guys out there. Casper Bjorkwist recently recalled from, from Wilkes-Barre. Crosby went up to him and I, I guess asked him, you know, like, can you work on like physical contact with me? So Crosby's like along the boards, like trying to play the puck and Casper's like hitting him. And like the whole time I'm watching this, like I can't imagine like 
Casper Bjorkwist, he's never played in the NHL before. It's his first recall. And then Crosby <laughs> asks you to hit him while he's recovering. Like, Casper's a very physical uh-huh. guy. He's big. Like, I don't know. I, I'd i be worried. Like, I don't want to hit him too hard. Like, if, if I hurt Crosby more, they're sending me down. But, you know, Crosby <laughs> was fine. He handled it fine. He did faceoffs right after. So, very encouraging stuff from him day to day. Seems like it's only a matter of time now. Uh, Brian Rust, week to week, we, that really hasn't changed. He has been yeah. back on the ice, which is encouraging because it, well, I mean, it was a lower body injury. He hasn't been skating with the team. It's just been a one-on-one with you know Ty Hennis, the skills coach, uh, and then Malkin. You know, he's not supposed to be back until December. I, that hasn't changed, I assume. Uh-huh. But he has been back on the ice, actually skating fairly regularly. Sullivan said that they're on a kind of schedule where it's, you know, a couple of days on, a couple of days off. Uh, but, I mean, he is skating, you know, a good amount of days in the week, which, again, it's a knee surgery. It's going to take a while to come back from that. He's going to have to skate on his own for a while. He's going to have to, you know, practice on contact probably a couple of times and then practice with contact a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So he still has a lot of steps to go. But, uh, you know, it, it's good to see him back on the ice. And we actually saw him Wednesday in the, in the media room. I tweeted the video. Chad Ruedel's doing his media availability. And there's a door behind it, like, leading to another room. And Malkin, like, opens it and pops his head out. And then, like, he goes back in. And then he pops back out and waves to everybody. <laughs> and, like, I think he, like, I heard he, like, told PR that he was going to do that, make an appearance. And they told him, like, don't do that. Don't walk out. <laughs> Chad Ruedel's media availability. And he's like... I'm going to do it anyway. Um, so, yeah, good good to see those guys making uh, progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we also That's talk awesome. about him physically making Mike Lang a milkshake? Because, my God, I, I think I've watched that video, honest to God, mm-hmm. maybe close to 100 times. Oh, absolutely. When he says, like, he says, like, we love you, I love you, Pittsburgh loves you, Russia loves you, it's like, Russia loves Mike Lang, like, Mike Lang is in Russia. That was the funniest video. (laughs) It was amazing. You can see his happiness. Like, he was Mm -hmm. so, the the whipped cream was, like, starting off strong, getting excited. (laughs) And then when he goes to Mike Lang and he's like, I know you like beer, but just milk. I'm like, this is gold. Yep. Yeah, that was so funny. Yeah. yeah, it really filled my heart. Uh, it it was something that I didn't even know that I needed in in my life. But as soon as they showed it at the arena, it's like, well, I I need to find a way to watch this on repeat for the rest of eternity. It was so good. It's good. To, I, it's yeah. If I could side sidetrack, speaking of funny videos the Penguins have put out, it was what after the win over Toronto, you know, they, they give away the helmet every every game. And um, the win before, you know, they had given it to Sullivan because it was, mm-hmm. his, you know, the win to, to put him in the, the franchise lead. So he gives it to the next guy. And it was Teddy Bluger who, who didn't score. But he had a very good game. He, you know, shut down, like, the Matthews line and, and all that. But, like, the video they put out, I, I love those videos when they change the helmets because the 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 way the guys get hyped for that, like, you know, they'll say, like, you know, Teddy Bluger, and they're screaming, and, like, Kapanen's up, like, he's, like, twirling his shirt. Jason Zucker was standing up, like, if you watched the video, like, they have, like, their bench sheets for the locker stall, and he's, like, opening and closing, like, the bench sheet, like, to make <laughs> um, Yeah, those, those, I, I love those videos after, after wins when they put those out, because they're just so chaotic. Mm-hmm. That's all oh, some of the best stuff. That's yeah. awesome. 
So good to know that everybody's go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. This is total different tangent. You go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Our tangents are fun, though. I really love them. But okay, so yeah, those guys are making progress. Awesome. How about the guys on the COVID list? And also, how is everybody feeling about that? Because they're you said they're voluntarily testing every day after both Gensel and Zach Aston Reese tested positive. So what, what does that look like? How does everybody feel about it? Yeah. I mean, so obviously, you know, the last two seasons, they made it through without a single in season, you know, positive test. And it has not worked out that way this season. Gensel and Aston Reese tested positive um, in camp. Now the NHL, the, all the Penguins are vaccinated. And if a player is vaccinated, mm-hmm. they only have to be tested once a week for the NHL protocols. After Gensel and Aston Reese tested positive, the Penguins decided to up that to every day and kind of go back to spacing out in meetings more just because, you know, they don't know where guys are getting it. But if they have it, even if they're asymptomatic, you know, they don't want that that spreading. I mean, because Aston Reese had yeah. it pretty, pretty bad. Mm-hmm. He, he said, oh. you know, I mean, he was down and out, and he said, you know, he couldn't work out for 12 days until he got his heart checked out like he had it so bad. So Mm. they'd obviously like to prevent that from being spread. So testing every day. Now, that does open up the possibility that you might have an inconclusive test or a false positive Mm -hmm. that, you know, puts a guy on the protocol. We saw that with Tristan Jari where uh, it was a false positive. But, again, since they're testing every day, you only need two negative tests to come out of protocol. So that, that was easily, easily cleared up. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I personally, I, I think that testing every day and having, you know, Jari miss a practice is, is a whole lot better than, you know, guys passing it on and potentially having, you know, right. more situations like Aston So right now the only, you know, positive cases are, are Jeff Carter, who has remained asymptomatic. Sullivan actually said he believes he can come out of protocol uh, by the end of the week. He wasn't sure which day, <laughs> which is big. Mm -hmm. Jeff Carter back for for the center depth. And then Chris Letang, uh, Chris Letang is symptomatic. Uh, We don't, he didn't say, Sullivan didn't say, you know, what those symptoms are, how symptomatic he is. But um, I mean, definitely, I think good that they call that early instead of, you know, having Letang hang around the team, pass it on to other guys, um, Mm -hmm. you know, had they only been tested uh, once a week. So Letang out 10 days from the onset of symptoms minimum, that's the NHL protocols. So um, he'll still need, you know, the two negative tests to to return, but 10 days from the onset of symptoms, just because he is, you know, one of the few guys experiencing uh, symptoms. And it is kind of unfortunate almost, because you never want this to happen. But in terms of timing wise, I mean, they're missing so many guys already. It's almost like if there are going to be people that get it, you know, it's better to have it at the beginning of the season versus yeah, for end sure. of the season. I mean, again, COVID in itself, no one, I, you don't wish it on anybody, but mm-hmm. if it is, I mean, that is part of the risks of what's happening right now. And we're seeing the league, we're seeing it kind of across the league. It, it's been, it's been fascinating. It's also going to have been fascinating to see, you know, how different leagues are handling it. Because like Taylor said, you know, with the fact that they're having them being tested, they, they're voluntarily getting tested every day. Yeah. 
um, you know, with the NFL, it was originally the timeline for the NFL was they were having them get tested if vaccinated players were only every other week. And the players were the ones pushing, saying, you know, hey, we want to be tested every week. We mm. don't want to risk this. We want to feel more comfortable. Um, and I think, you know, the NHL kind of said something similar where it's like, you know, we want this to be a weekly thing. And now the guys are taking more initiative because they're like, if, you know, if God forbid it's going to happen, we want to catch it early. Yeah which is responsible and that's the right thing to do for sure. And yeah, I, I think that being able to hopefully deal with this upfront at the beginning of the season will kind of allow them room to breathe later in the season. So they hopefully won't have to be um, missing guys because of this later on when we may potentially be trying to make a push for the playoffs, but it's good that they're at least progressing through the protocol and that they're for, even though Chris Letang is symptomatic, it sounds like he's going to be okay. So he, that, that is good. He spoke during training camp too. I mean, because he, you know, obviously had his own health issues before with the stroke and I mean, the hole in his heart. And mm-hmm. he did say at the start of camp that uh, any, you know, pre-existing conditions he has, it does not put him at a higher risk. So, okay, that's good. I mean, that's, good because you know Aston Reed's had a you know pretty bad time but you know mm-hmm. the tank with his own health issues it seems like that's not gonna uh, play a role yeah. here so uh, that's good he's doing better soon mm-hmm. and yeah. just seeing the guys that did go through it be able to get back on the ice so soon mm-hmm. that is something that's definitely a really good sign and obviously you know as we all do we just hope the best for them and hope that mm-hmm. everybody everybody gets through it okay and just kind of yeah. keeps moving forward yeah, I mean, because no. Gensel was was asymptomatic, and when he talked about it, he sounded like he just kind of had a he, he was just bored. Because <laughs> I mean, you know, he has it. He can't. I think like you know, he, I think he was in a hotel or his wife was in a hotel. Like they couldn't be obviously they couldn't be together during them. So he said he mm-hmm. um, was just on a, a peloton and reading books about Tiger Woods and and doing puzzles. So. Um, yeah, hopefully, guys, if they do get it, it's more like that and less uh, than what, like what Aston Reese went through. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, hopefully they recover and recover fully and recover soon. But let's take one more break and then be right back. All right, we're back. So Taylor, you learned something like a fun, fascinating fact today after the the Penguins skate. Casey DeSmith has a new mask and a friend of his designed it. Can you tell us a little bit about what that deal is? Yeah, so Casey Smith, he, he had a new mask for the first time at practice on, on Wednesday. And, you know, we couldn't see it close from where we were, but the Penguins equipment staff, they have their own Instagram. I think it's just Penguins underscore equipment. And they had posted, you know, front side back views. And you look on the back, um, Teddy Bluger's signature is on it. Like, I, I looked, at, I mean, there's a 53, so is that Teddy Bluger's signature? And I'm, so I'm like Googling, like, Teddy Bluger autograph pucks and like cross referencing. I'm like, that's Teddy Bluger's signature. But yeah, it, so the sides <laughs> are Penguins of Madagascar playing disc golf. And then on the back, it's Dwight Schrute, which I don't know. If, if Yet asked me three things about Casey to Smith, it's that he plays disc golf, he loves the office, and he has a bald cat. Uh, but cat's not on the mask, that's irrelevant. But yeah, Dwight Schrute's on the back and the, the Matt, Penguins Madagascar playing oh disc golf and then Teddy Bluger's signature 
So, you know, he, he spoke after practice on Wednesday and I asked him and I said, just what was the design process like for your new mask? And is, is that, why did Teddy Bluger sign the back of it? And he said, you know, going back to last season, his mask was pretty plain. It was just black, gold stripe down the middle, Penguins logo on the sides. And he said, you know, during the year, Teddy Bluger would, would chirp him and say, it looks generic. It looks like you got it in Dick's Sporting <laughs> Goods. So uh, to avoid, I guess, the chirps from Teddy this year, Casey said, I challenge you to do a better one. Uh, and so Teddy designed the whole mask which is just incredible. Uh, he said he put some stuff in there that, you know, he, that he thought was goofy just to see if Casey would keep it. Like, you know, on the chin, a lot of goalies put their numbers and Casey Smith is number one. So instead of a number one, he spelled out one. <laughs> like, like, um, just to see if Casey would keep it. And Casey kept it. I guess that he didn't make any changes. He said, uh, Teddy, then they brought out Teddy to talk to us too, because then Teddy had to explain. And Teddy said, you know, there really wasn't a whole lot of back and forth. It was um, just he designed Casey's mask, and uh, Teddy said, I guess a lot of guys in the room like it, so he might be doing more in the future. But yeah, just so finally, he did say that you know, because obviously Casey began to the office. Teddy had never seen the office before, so he what? did start. Yeah, <laughs> which is reaction right there. <laughs> He said that. So he started binging The Office, though, for background to make, you know, Casey's mask. He said he's up to uh, season six. He did say as he was walking out and he's like, maybe I'll finish the series and I can, you know, see new characters to put on. So I don't know. But the guys who come in in season nine, plop. Uh, the other guy who looks like Dwight, maybe they'll be in a mask in the future. But, oh, my God. Um, they don't deserve to be on a mask. That's, a, that's its own no. own tangent. No. The specific, seasons eight and nine. Mm-mm. The specific Dwight scene that is on it is when uh, Dwight is named Salesman of the Year and he's at, you know, I guess the company <laughs> conference and he's giving like the speech where it's like real dramatic and, and Casey's up at the podium like describing this to us and he's like, in, he's like kind of like acting out the scenes of like Dwight <laughs> on the podium. So, um, oh, I don't know. I just, I, it's a, it's, it's, it's a good looking mask and the, the backstory. Yeah, it looks it great. It's funny. Yeah. I will say, I don't know how I feel about, cause he has, you know, darker pads. I, I, you know, gold pads. So Jari has the all black pads. He did go with a darker helmet this year. Casey's helmet is like lighter in color. There's a lot of white on it. I don't know how it looks with the dark pads, but mm. Uh, mm. Teddy Bluger is finer than I guess, you know, who am I to say? Yeah. <laughs> He's the only opinion that really matters, apparently. I, guess so. I need to we need to know Teddy Bluger's thoughts on Scott's Tots. That's that's like the pressing information that I need. Oh yes. Scott's Tots and Dinner Party, because yes. there is a right answer to both of those questions. Yep. And I'm very curious what those what his answer would be. Uh, yeah. So can you please make sure that that sneaks into some avail some availability yeah. of his in the future? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Anytime Teddy talks, just more office questions. Like, have you made it to yeah. it yet? Like, what do you think about the move to Philly? <laughs> this is what people really want to know. Can you answer? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll talk to you about hockey in a little bit, Teddy, but like, these are the questions. <laughs> you, yeah. I mean, it was funny on a Wednesday. They brought him out. There were no questions about hockey. It was just like five or six questions about the process of designing Casey's mask. Um, so funny. I love availability. It's like that. 
And honestly, yeah. what a cool thing too to have from, you know, to know that your teammate mm-hmm. did that. And that, I mean, like, again, we talk about how close this team is on like a consistent basis. Like, I think that right there is like the epitome of all yeah. of it. Like not only did Casey, Casey was like, okay, fine, you do it then. And he went along with all of it. And Teddy's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to have some fun with this. Like, yeah. I, I think there could be some fun things kind of with this throughout the season too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, that's pretty awesome. And it's we talked about goalie pads way back uh, before the season even started. And masks are just another one of those things that are super fun. So just really quick, do you want to rattle off some of your favorite goalie masks of all time? Taylor, what what are a couple of your favorites that you remember? Yeah, the, the first one that pops into mind just all time is, uh, you know, I, I like when if it's like an outdoor game or whatever, goalies tend to do something, you know, especially mm-hmm. fun or fitting for the occasion, at least. And the one that stands out is Flurry's mask for the stadium series in 2014 when they played the Blackhawks. It was at Heinz Field. And because it was at Heinz Field, he wanted to, you know, pay tribute to the Steelers. So he, he literally just made it look like a Steelers helmet, you know, with a stripe mm-hmm. on the side. He had his number 29, like where it would go on, like a football helmet. He even had like the bottom of it painted to look like, you know, like the, the, go- the you know, just a gold, like an actual football helmet. But yeah, it was really cool yeah. to Google it. 2014, uh, the same series. I, I don't know so much about, you know, all time favorites, but my current favorite in the system now, um, Philip Lindbergh, the one he has down in Wilkes-Barre, it is very simple. It is, it's the logo very big on the front and kind of in the sides. And then kind of peeking out behind it is uh, the logo for like the Finnish national team, which I think is really mm. cool because I feel like we don't see that a whole lot. Even if like, a guy does play internationally, mixing in, you know, their, the hockey, whatever, their country governing body, like their logo mm-hmm. uh, into mass. I think that's really cool. It's very simple. It's really just um, the logo, the Finnish logo. And then I think it's nickname on the back. But I mean, I think it is funny that I think, three or four goalies in the system do have the penguins from madagascar on their helmet like i mean because jari i don't think jari has them uh he might i don't know but i mean obviously to smith i know alex dorio does i think napier might um but yeah i mean they're it's just funny how those pop up every year i don't know do they have to pay uh what is that pixar royalties but it's funny how we see the penguins madagascar every year on at least somebody that is awesome. Jenna, do you have any favorites? Well, it was funny because when we were talking about, you know, before the podcast, what, you know, the things we were going to chat about and goalie masks and stuff, I was just Googling a couple. And it's one of those, like, you have to see them to remember them type things. Mm-hmm. And I I know Penguins fans aren't the fondest of Bruins fans. I understand mm-hmm. that. But Tim Thomas's with the giant bear head. I, it's just one mm-hmm. of those things that you're like, that is just so cool. It, it's it's cool to see, obviously, the goalie masters kind of take on the personality of not only the guy, but the team itself. Yeah. Um, Henrik Lundqvist's the, like, old Rangers logo with Lady Liberty and the big star. That's like, those, yeah. are, those are ones that you just, like, you you remember those. Like, I feel like that, and mm-hmm. you know, not to be like, oh, I'm young in that sense, but, like, those were kind of the masks I saw, like, 
as I was really getting interested in hockey, as I was mm-hmm. a kid, things along those lines, um, just kind of seeing those masks. Granted, I'm going to say that. And then they're going to be like, oh, it was 2011. I'm like, okay. <laughs> at that but, you know, the, the old, I don't want to say old time, but like the masks you remember as a kid that you saw. And you're mm-hmm. like, whoa, yep. those are so cool. Those are, those are two of mine that I saw. And I was like, oh, yeah, those are fantastic. The the one that just popped into mind, um, Hiller with the Ducks, he had it. I, I'm, I Googled it. It looks like it was this was about 10 years ago that he had it. But it was solid matte black with like an actual like metallic gold cage. Oh, yeah. Very simple. I mean, the, I mean, no designs, anything like that. But just the matte black with like, oh, God. you don't see that a whole lot. You don't see the metallic kind of cage. But um, he's someone, I mean... Again, I guess that was 10 years ago, but I, I remembered wow. it. So um, just very unique. One another one I like around the league this year is uh, Craig Anderson's uh, Sabres mask. It's just really cool. He kind of has the, the Sabres on the side, the, the Buffalo on the side. Oh. And then the, um, there's like the skyline and, and stuff like that. I remember when it came That's out, cool. I texted my friend who covers the Sabres, Julian Pelusi, like, did Craig Anderson just sign there? Like because he had a really sick mask idea because like he signed like how old is he like 40 pushing 40 he signed like league minimum it's like why did he go to buffalo at his age but he must have just because he had a really cool mask idea because he he's one of the cooler (laughs) ones on the league it looks really nice did it for the logo yeah Yeah. why not at that at that point in your career go for it who cares (laughs) you do you craig yeah there are some there's some really sick masks and hopefully um yeah, uh, Tristan Jari has started the last, what, four, five games. So I'm not sure when we're going to see maybe maybe the game, what will be tonight um, against the the Flames, right? Is it the Calgary. Flames? Yeah, Calgary. Yep. Uh, maybe we'll see that the debut of that uh, Teddy Bluger original. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But thank you, as always, for listening to us here over a podcast on Fifth Ave. Make sure you're following us on Twitter to stay connected and you're subscribed wherever it is you listen to podcasts. And we will see you again next Thursday for another episode.